We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're still hungover or jet-lagged, it means the weekend technically isn't over yet. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, the Black Man on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Uh, it was a bank holiday weekend in the UK. It was as well in the US um, and maybe other places as well. I apologize for not necessarily knowing the holiday schedule everywhere, but I will say that there are probably a lot of people that needed that extra day based on uh, people that I saw and met and the states they were in. I myself uh, flew back on an early flight Monday morning back from London to the US and I am massively, massively jet-lagged um, and maybe even slightly still hungover. And it's one of those rare experiences where I want to feel that way because that means I, I'm still connected to the weekend that we just had. Such was the the special feeling that was engendered by all of the wonderful memories of the last few days. And so that somewhat explains the reason for this late podcast. Now, I, I will tell you that uh, Tim and Clive did a beautiful, beautiful sort of quick highlights of the game and, and thoughts on the moments um, over on Patreon. And we will be kicking off our summer series on Patreon this week, which means you'll start to get scouting videos for transfer targets. You'll start to get some uh, special new content. And one of the new things that we will be um, adding to the rotation is a, an, a weekly player deep dive, essentially. So we will go into a player uh, from probably not just the starting 11, maybe like 12 or 13, but there's only so many weeks in the summer. So we can only pick so many players and we'll really summarize their season and talk about how we felt they performed, where they can go from here, what their future at the club is, what their past at the club was, and so on and so forth. So would love to have you for that. Um, but if not, we're just happy to have you here, as I always say, and thrilled to have with me here today uh, two dear friends, I, I dare say. Uh, Tim, you can find him on Twitter at Stominator. Hello, Tim. Hello there. And Clive, you can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. So, look, I, a lot of times I think, you know, let's just get into the football. Nobody wants to hear about the other stuff. But, but the other stuff is so much of what the last weekend of the season is about and has become about that I think it would be silly to, to not talk about that because that is part of this whole thing. If, if you can hear my voice right now, I think you would agree. If you can't hear my voice right now, what I'm about to say next will be really pretty meaningless to you because you do not listen to this podcast. But I, I think you would agree that it can't just be about 
the kicking of the ball. I mean, that's the most important thing. It's the thing that binds us all together. But it is that one moment in your life you get to make it to the Emirates or that every weekend of your life you get to make it to the Emirates or the local you go to to, to see a game with friends or the you know the way you interact with people you care about to make yourself feel connected to this whole thing. And that is what this weekend really came to represent. And it was a beautiful goodbye because it was a goodbye to a season that was lovely. And while it may not have culminated in exactly what we wanted, um, and, and big thanks to Manchester City for dropping just enough points the last two games to make us have regrets. If they could have just won out, we wouldn't have had any regrets. They had to give us the regrets. So thanks for that. Thanks for that, City. Do us any favors. Um, then I had to go watch Pep Guardiola on Ted Lasso. I mean, c- can you please, please, please fuck off? But like, but so I, I want to relive this weekend that was very much, I think, for a lot of people, that extracting these last feelings of joy from, um, you know, from a season that was beautiful. And if you are someone who took the time to extend a hand and shake mine or two arms and hug me, which is what I, I am a hugger. So apologies if you got a hug that was somewhat unsolicited. Thank you. It it means the world to me. It really, really does. And it was so lovely to meet so many incredible people. And so Tim, I'll start with you just on, um, firstly, we, we, we had a whole dinner together on Friday night, which is beautiful. I got to meet your lovely wife. I got to meet Clive's wife, who I can confirm is not just decent, but actually quite a bit, uh, lovelier than that. In fact, um, but but Saturday, let, let's go to Saturday in the Union Chapel event. I think this is going to become a, an annual tradition for us. It is a special venue in Islington. It's in Arsenal territory. Before the mat, uh, before the event, you see people walking around just in Arsenal tops. It feels like the right place for that event. And to do it with Andrew is so special because Andrew, you know, he feels like a friend I've known my whole life at this point, just a dear friend and, and James as well. That <clears throat> That culminating event to me is kind of like, it's I, the best way I can say it is it's a thank you, you know, for, for what we share with everybody throughout the season. And if I take very few memories with me to the grave, one that I will take forever is the sound that the union chapel made when Ian Wright stepped out on a stage. And it was so forceful and so visceral that tears started flowing from his eyes. And I can understand it because it really was that powerful. So for me, that was certainly a highlight of, of this whole incredible journey. What a, what a, are your high-level thoughts on on Saturday night and what it meant to you? Yeah, absolutely. It really set the tone for the weekend. And I think we've all had time to process the fact that we're not going to win the league and all of that. And I think everyone, there was just a real spirit of let's put all of that aside um, and just kind of celebrate and give thanks uh, for this season. And and yeah, you're right. Like uh, Ian's reaction as well. I mean, Ian scored in quite a few cup finals at Wembley. <laughs> you know, uh, like he's he's yeah, not. But it's not a podcast, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's not unaccustomed to adulation. You know, he's someone who. I mean, he left Arsenal 25 years ago. Like he's a, he's quite a long time retired as a, as a footballer. I'm sure he won't. Uh, thank me for saying that, but he's quite a long time retired, but clearly retained a very special bond with supporters and supporters who probably didn't see him play, um, yeah. which which I think says a lot about the man himself, um, it must be said. And, and look, I know he's not scoring in cup finals at Wembley anymore, but... This is a guy who's who's recognised everywhere he goes. Okay, um, and and by the way, as well loved outside of the Arsenal fan base as well. Um, very very kind of well respected, particularly what he does with women's football and and all of that. Um, and so you know to see him visibly moved 
by it, I, th- I think really, really said a lot, and it and it was very moving for all of us. It is just that it's I, I keep using the phrase "blown away," uh, and and I really, really am. And it's so strange because when we do the podcast like this, like of course we have the listeners in mind, and actually there are a, we know there are a lot more than can fit in the Union Chapel. But when you actually see the physical manifestation of it laid out in front yeah. of you, and you get that kind of that that reaction. Um, and you know, uh, you, you get, it's, it's a really good tester for how good, uh, your kind of humorous asides are as well. Um, <laughs> do they land? <laughs> exactly. Do people like my Simpsons references? Tim <laughs> says wondering. <laughs> yeah. Does it land? Uh, do people really want to hear the song? I touch myself. Uh, uh, Emirates Stadium. <laughs> Kudos to Paul for keeping it weird as ever, and I have to admit he got a lot of laughs, and it's it's great to see. And by the way, he um that that video and audio the the video is out on on Andrews on Arsblog's uh, YouTube channel, so you can check it out there. We'll put it out on ours. I think both of us will put it out as a podcast as well. So all of this will be something that you can um, absorb if you were not able to absorb it in the moment. Yeah, definitely, and no, none of it will date. I think because it's a, no, it's a real sweep green. of the season. Um, but but yeah, it just kind of teed up as as it. Has done the last two years. It just teed up um, the weekend, and it's just um, it's so nice as well afterwards to like to go to the bar and just just talk to people. And you know, I always said and thought it about football. Like for me, it's just been a key social lever in my life. There's nothing else I could go into a room full of people and talk like that. <laughs> like I couldn't get up on the stage and talk about anything else. I'd go to pieces if I went into a but like. You know, I was the kind of person like in my government career and all of that. If I, you know, when it's like, oh, there's 45 minutes for networking. For me, mm-hmm. that was spent locked in the toilet or <laughs> outside with the smokers, even though I didn't smoke. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. just get fraught with anxiety and horror and I hate awkward conversation. And I, I'm much more, I prefer awkward silence to awkward conversation. That's the kind of person I am. But, you know, when it comes to Arsenal, when it comes to football, it's just like, you know, I, I, you guys might not forgive me for saying this, and and I also um, I kind of absent you, Elliot and Andrew, from this because it is different when you're presenting, but it's the it's the easiest gig in the world. It really mm. is. Yeah. Like I I rocked up in a cab about half an hour before we started, having been you know at the women's game and working and doing all of that. Hadn't spoken about a running order, anything like that. It was literally got up on stage and talked, and it, and it's quite easy to do because you're talking to friends about football and everyone uh, that likes football can do that so we're incredibly privileged um, I think to be able to do that yeah. and that all just bled over into Sunday as well yeah and, and it's funny I mean I actually I wouldn't say I find it easy all the time just because there are things that I I do um, around the podcast that that take a bit of work that you know I I wouldn't just go to the pub and do some of the stuff that you do as, as a person who's hosting or cutting it together or producing it. But I, obviously I love it, but I found it. I found myself really struggling actually in the early part of that show in a way that I didn't last season because some things started to hit me. Um, my wife was there for one thing. And so connecting her to the community and, and to this thing that she just sees me do in a room in our house, most of the time was really emotional being around so many people again was really emotional, but I think obviously the Ian Wright component of it, extremely emotional. What, what right do I have? Uh, no pun intended to be sitting up on stage with Ian Wright. And the only reason I get to do it is because all these incredible people who like what we do have said, you're all right, mate, you can be a part of this, you know? And it's like, you do get a little caught up in that. Um, I, I certainly did. And I think that, 
to be able to have something that you love in your life that other people love too, that you can share with people like this. It, it, it started to overwhelm me a little bit. So I'm glad we were able to get through that section and get to the part two where I just got to ask some silly football questions. And look, Paul, Paul obviously talking about the divinals. I touched myself, helped ease some of the, the nerves there as well, the emotion. Clive, we will, of course, get on the football and the Granite Shaka and the, the summer and all of that. But just staying on this moment, obviously, you're sitting right there. You're next to Ian Wright. You're on the stage. You're in front of this incredible group of people um, watching live and on, on streams and things. And I think, you know, being there with Andrew, who frankly, if he never did his pod, I would never have done this one. Um, it is easy to get a little bit stuck in your head just contemplating the the specialness of it. But the thing that really strikes me is every single person you meet, you shake hands with, you share a drink with, you share a hug with, they're knowledgeable, they're kind, they're warm. It's um, it's really wonderful. And Ian even made the point, he said to us, what you guys have here is really special. This is This is unique. This is something different, um, you know. And for Ian Wright to recognize that, I thought was a huge credit to to the people that listened, to the people that were there. You know. Yeah, I've missing him on the way down to game on Sunday, and that's what he said, right? And um, he's shocked by the energy of the group and the crowd. And we often say this, don't we, that we are incredibly lucky with our audience. And those words are well chosen. We are incredibly mm. lucky with our audience. And I'm starting to recognize a lot of them now, actually. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Due to the fact that I think I only missed three home games this year. It's quite a lot for me. And um, and I've got to see these people over the course of the year. As Tim said on WhatsApp, you guys don't get to see this all the time. And um, we don't see it. What we Tim experienced at the weekend is not every weekend, but uh, we get smittens of that all the time. And it's, um, it's a reminder that, um, that what we're doing is okay, you know. But also, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I did feel as I did feel a bit more nervous this year going into the the whole thing because last year it was a surprise. The venue was a surprise. The fact that people wanted to come was a surprise. And uh, this year, I knew that everything had sold out in twenty seconds, and I knew the venue, and I, I didn't know about Ian Wright. But that sort of stuns me for the first half hour because mm -hmm. you know I did see his career live, big majority of it, and. Um, and so that's somebody I traveled the country to go and watch. And so it takes a bit of adjusting to. And in the end, we're just, we just blokes, right, that try to put out good content for people that like to listen to good content. You're just human. And when you're sitting next to that guy, I couldn't help but think for a second, wow. And I and Elliot did stop you from interrupting him, but it still was still good, right? It was still uh, where well, <laughs> I was a little bit more polite. <laughs> and so... They, and so so yeah, the whole the whole experience. I like the words you said about saying thank you, because um, that's what we try to do when we go around talking to people. Because there are lots of podcasts to listen to out there. There are lots of different things to listen to, but people choose to share their Arsenal experience with us. And what maybe they don't realise is how big a part of our Arsenal experience they are. Right, and I think. My Arsenal experience this year has been the greatest of my entire watching life. Football is not just about the cup finals and the winners, the semi-finals at Wembley, the Copenhagen's, you know, the Paris 2006, the semi-final before Paris 2006, the Villarreal. It's not all about those high glory moments. It is about the moments where maybe you don't always succeed and it's who you share those experiences with. Right? And, um, 
And so maybe what we don't say enough, it's not just about the patrons because not everyone's a patron. Everyone that listens, that wants to interact, you add to our experience and it makes me have a mm. sense of responsibility going forward. But I want to make sure that we continue to do what we do in an, in an authentic, genuine way to add to their experience as well. And so I felt that sense of spirit at the weekend. I was a bit quieter. Um, however, I barely drunk. It was just overwhelming. It was mm. overwhelming. And um, I just want to say Here's how overwhelming you. it was, Clive. I, I, you're not supposed to bring any alcohol into the actual chapel part of the chapel. And we had beers yeah, yeah. backstage. And like, I had one in my hand at the intermission. Just, I wasn't even really drinking. I was just holding it for something to hold, you know, like a nervous yeah. tick almost, and yeah. walked right out onto the stage with it. And then I looked down and everyone's got their waters and I've got a Cronenberg in my hand. It is true. It is truly uh, overwhelming. And it, it takes a bit of adjusting to. And um, the only regret, I said to Tim yesterday, the only regret that I have is that you don't get to everybody that you'd like yeah, to that, get to. That, yeah. You know, and there are people that you'd like to spend a bit more time talking to, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. and that's the only, that's not being big headed or anything like that. That's just like, that's what we're about, right? We're about the community and you want to get to every single person you can get to and you just can't. Like that's the, that's the regrets that I have. And, um, I agree with that. Uh, yeah. We'll do, we'll, I'm sure we'll do something again. Right. And it's not about us enjoying the great time. It's about all of us enjoying the great time. And I want to make sure we do more of these type of things. Yeah, and for this episode, even I was a little thoughtful about, you know, do we need to discuss the event? Because it, people are here first and foremost to hear about the football and Shaka scoring on his final day and the, you know, the comments of the manager and the performance on the pitch. Yeah, we but have like, to do that, right? We have to yeah, do that. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I do think that there are certain things when we come together as a community that are worth sharing with people who are far away, who don't get to be there, just so maybe you get to feel a little bit like you were a part of it and know that next time you know, if, if you're there, that it's going to be a special occasion. I do feel sorry for my wife a little bit where, you know, I feel like everybody who was willing to shake a hand or give a hug and just say, Hey, love, you know, love the podcast or thanks for the podcast. I can just see her being like, Oh, he's going to be impossible to live with after this, isn't he? <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, it's like if yeah, someone came up to me and like, Oh, we had that discussion on your, on your behalf. And um, we were watching no you doubt, work yeah. the crowd. And as Tim, oh, will, as Tim would attest, Elliot loves it, doesn't he, mate? He absolutely loves it. He's in his element. So uh, <laughs> I, I yes. love saying hi to everybody. I love sharing a drink with everybody. I, it's just, it is absolutely. Absolutely my favorite thing because I definitely have that that imposter syndrome that we all get, you know, that who who the fuck am I? And then here are people that want to say hi or share a drink or give you a hug. And it's like, give me the hug, give me the drink, let's go, let's do this. And I echo your sentiments, Clive, that like if I could spend just that bit more time with every single person, I would. And and I that's why I love coming on this pod though, because it's a way to spend time with everybody. Everybody, you know, you guys who are here and Paul, who will obviously be on one in the future, and the guests that come on, and, and Andrew and James, and then everybody who listens. It's beautiful. So We'll, um, we'll finish patting each other and ourselves and the listeners on the back momentarily here and get to the Sunday of it, which was itself a love-in, a carnival. Um, we titled the Patreon episode Arsenal Disneyland. Um, I, don't, I don't know that there's a better way to put it because it, it felt that way. And the way the bars were heaving, the pubs were heaving at noon for a 4.30 kickoff and the way the armory was heaving and just the the smiles on faces. And I, I do feel bad for Tanya, right? Because it was like sunny 25. We won five nil. 
She's like, oh, going to the Arsenal's great. It's always like this, right? <laughs> it's like just waiting for the time she decides to come over and it's pissing down and it's 1-1 to Crystal Palace in the 90th minute and people are screaming. Um, but yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be hard to top that just in terms of the entire environment. Um, Tim, I think the nice thing about this last day is that, and you touched on this, it was a chance to send off the team and say goodbye to the season in a really positive way. I didn't get a, a sense that there was a lot of frustration or angst or anxiety in the air about any anything really. Um, Andrew mentioned on the Arscast, but I will again, when we were walking down the street towards the Tollington and you hear the songs from almost like a mile away and the song that's singing is, we nearly won the league, we nearly won the league, now you're going to believe us. Uh, it, it, and like, you know, there was, there was a bit of that sardonic atmosphere, but just a lot of togetherness. Um, when you think about just going into this final day and how you felt about it, what what were the prevailing emotions? Excited to, to get a chance to say goodbye, a little bit of regret, you know, joy tinged with sadness. Where were you on the sort of spectrum of feelings about the final day? Because there is always something bittersweet about a final day, whether it's a good or bad occasion, because you're saying goodbye to Arsenal for a few months, you know? Yeah, exactly. And for me, I was I was determined to just wring every drop of joy out of this. And, and you referenced that, um, you know, we called it Disneyland on the well, Clive called it Disneyland on the on the Patreon pod. Um, I think I said at the live event, I, th I think I predicted four nil. Um, I, I just really had the sense this was going to be exactly as it turned out that Wolves were going to be only half there and we were going to give them a lovely little smashing to send everyone off into the summer. Sun was shining, et cetera, et cetera. And, but one of the reasons, um, in fact, like if you'll forgive the slightly crude analogy, I, it was the, the whole day was like MDMA, to be honest. It was just <laughs> ev everyone, you know, if you, I don't know, like uh, I'm not saying I've been in these situations, but if you've ever been at a rave or anything like that, where <laughs> uh, where other people are in those situations and everyone's just hugging each other and for, you know, it was it was a bit like that. It was a sunshine day, um, but one of the reasons. I was really keen to wring every drop of joy out of this is not just about saying thank you about what's what's uh, conspired this season and and the great times that we've had. Um, I also feel like, uh, and I, I don't want this to sound maudlin because it's it's natural. I almost feel like this is the close of a chapter as well because things are mm. going to be different next season in terms of expectation. You know, we know that the manager like ruthless is his middle name um i think yep. um i i think he is going to do in his mind what he thinks needs to be done and all of that next season we're going to be expecting to be in the title race um and we can't take for granted that we will be and so things will change a little bit next season whereas the last two seasons i mean we've made two jumps of three places we've gone eighth fifth second and you know that's 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 a big ascent actually in two seasons, and we've been on this wonderful kind of almost unexpected ride. I think I'm not sure. Any well, maybe some people, but I didn't really see this coming. Um, to be honest, like the the end of the 2021 season when we finished eighth, and we were thinking, God, how do we get Willian out of the club? And <laughs> this Abamian contract hasn't really worked, and we've had no fans in the stadium for a year. Like, I didn't see this coming off the back of that. Now, last summer, I, I definitely like at the end of last season, I thought, yeah, there's something in this group, but I didn't expect the jump to be this big again. And so we've been like a surprise. 
we're not going to be a surprise anymore. So I do think things are going to change a bit next year in, in terms of our the sentiment and the atmosphere, and that's absolutely fine. Um, I don't think the manager would have it any other way as well, but that's that's going to make things a bit different. So for me, this had a real like, not just last day of, you know, last day of the school term feeling, but like maybe when you leave secondary school or something, or you're mm. about to go to university or something yeah. like that. And you're like, okay, shit changes now. Stuff's different. And that's very exciting as well. But there's, you know, there's a little bit of uh, anxiety in there. So that for me, that it wasn't just a retrospective. It was largely a re- retrospective thing just to be able to put everything aside. We've had a long time to process it and say thank you um, for, you know, re-engaging us and re- reconnecting us with this team. We are still in what history will regard as like the immediate, I mean, look, COVID hasn't gone away, obviously, but so you understand what I mean when I say post-COVID yeah, in like a policy sense. We're, you know, we're still we're still in that and it's going to be a long time before we're able to look back and say, oh, wow, those last, those years afterward, like think, you know, it takes time and perspective to work all of that out. And we're, we're still in that immediate kind of post period. So I, I think things are just going to be a bit different next season. And so I, yeah, I, I just really went in with that feeling. And what was lovely was I think everyone went in with that feeling, absolutely everyone. And and that really brought that sense of connection, um, you know, just, just consolidated it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it almost felt preseasony in a way or, or like a, a testimonial for this team, you know, for this season, like a season testimonial, uh, and wolves were willing to participate in that sentiment as well, by the way. Um, <clears throat> I think you hit on something really important. The club cannot, nor can the fans presume next season will just be a step up. That's, you know, football sport, unfortunately does not work that way. You get a key injury in preseason, you get a bad result early and something goes wrong and suddenly your season is in a place you don't expect it to be. Now, I'm not saying I expect any of that to happen. I do think we'll be good next season, but this season was very special. I mean, I don't think people have fully clocked what it means to be on a hundred point pace 60% of the way through a football season. You're not supposed to be on that pace. We've never been on it before, you know, um, and to score almost 90 goals. And by the way, I will mention, cause we're not gonna do this today. If this is your first season with us, we do a full season summary. We revisit our preseason predictions and compare the outcomes. We do quick review of 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 the players, player summaries, um, not just the deep dives we're going to do on Patreon. So we have a and we'll do you know a look ahead to what has to be done this summer. So that's all coming up. Um, this is just going to be sort of more about this particular occasion, Clive. Um, firstly, you know you get to go to the game a lot. The games a lot. Tim obviously goes basically everything. It always has. Um, I went three times this season. Once was at Leicester, twice was at the Emirates. It is still a rare enough treat for me that when I get there and I get in the seat and I see the grass and I see the players in in the flesh, like it, it still really moves me. It's really special. And I have to thank Ben for the seat he gave me and the, and the wonderful conversation. And, um, you know, and his friend Gab, who I met and Nick who was sitting behind him, like just a great group to be there with. But yeah, it's, it was really special to be there. And, and so I, I just really tried to soak it up. But what I will say is that I know it seems dumb, but I'm so glad the team played the way they did and sent us off the way they did. Um, and the occasion was brilliant. The The songs that were going up was brilliant, but the focus was Granite Shacker. There was a thanks Granite sign that went up over by the Ashburton Army. Um, let's 
let's talk about the ground into this just a little bit. What were your feelings about Shaka going in and on uh, a scale of zero to a hundred percent? Why were you a hundred percent convinced he was going to score? Cause I, I, I was convinced he would score in this game. What, what, what were your thoughts on the occasion and, and the granite Shaka component of it? Yeah, well, he played centre forward the whole game, making sure he did score. Right? <laughs> I think it was hat trick. He's just stood on, on the penalty. He's just stood on the penalty spot and said, "Give me the ball." <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think he was. He was certainly part of the front five, right? <laughs> which we announced we are experts on, aren't we? So, um, mm. yeah, he's just part of. The, he's just part of the fun, mate. To be honest, and um, I think it's a really good. Let's take it. Let's take it out. We can all say we love Granite Xhaka. We love what he's doing this season. I think there was some good stuff. Arteta said about how he challenged him pre-season, how he came back fitter and lighter, and and he looked it, didn't he? He looked lighter of foot, he looked better, more athletic, yep. and and we and we did spot that quite early. And um, so I'm I'm really pleased for him that he's 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 you know reinvented himself in a slightly different way. And that's not like to protect some of the opinions that we've all had of him in the past. It's actually, it's great to see somebody in any workplace adjust to the change environment that's around them to make themselves as important as they previously were. And if anything, it's more important than he previously was due to the age profile of the rest of the squad. So mm, for someone to adapt in the workplace like that, I've got nothing but absolute admiration for them. And I'm also really admired the fact that he potentially, you know, we don't know 100%, has chosen this moment to exit the room. I think that takes a lot of strength as well, wherever the reasons are, because it's the easiest thing just to keep going. But sometimes you need to leave the room when you're just still wanted, and it's important that we get used to the fact that players that are incredibly useful for us can leave because mm-hmm. we need to evolve to a better place. right? And, and for those that are going through this trauma at the moment around certain players leaving, Wanting them all to stay, but wanting us to get better as well. And the moment we lose two games next year, not going to be having it. But actually, how are we going to get better unless we renew the squad? And that means we're going to need to see a few people go that maybe we really like, we may not have seen fully develop, or we have they've got another year or two in their legs for us. But that's not going to work. We've been there before. You've I've learned this through earlier. You know, having people in the squad that are got over their age profile or their financial peak. And we just not had a chance to renew and we're giving people away. So I'm I'm really pleased for everybody, if that makes sense, that we're getting a little bit of compensation. The player has a new role work, working under a potentially brilliant young coach in Xavi Alonso. And who's to know that could be part of what he wants to do going forward, learning from a young coach, supporting a young coach, could end up being a player coach in a four-year contract, for example, if Butson maybe is here. And who knows where he'll end up in his future. You know, he could be right back at our club doing a role. You, you just never know, right? So he's opening up a new window to his life. I think it's wonderful in that respect. To see the, to see the appreciation for him, it's nice, isn't it? You know, he wasn't getting that appreciation when he charged over in the corner, in the corner of the penalty box against Brighton, and took someone down in a crucial game. Um, it wasn't the same appreciation. So things can change very quickly, and again, it helps open. I think I spoke at the weekend about keeping your mind open with player analysis. Sometimes what you see is not what's real. And um, Tim spoke at the weekend actually about the reaction of the stadium versus the reaction of, of line. I can remember beginning of last preseason when he was about to go. 
He was didn't go. He ended up staying. Or what time he's going to go to Rome? I ended up staying. I thought it was quite popular online. I went to the stadium for a preseason Emirates Cup game, and when he stood up to walk to warm up, he got standing ovation. Again, lesson to mm. myself: don't always what you read online is not always the real deal. Take a broad view if you are able to, to before you land on a certain position. But hey, I'm really pleased for him. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's also, just to be fair, I think the online thing is an amplification issue because, like, I, <clears throat> um, we want you to stay. We want you to stay. Granite Shaka, we want you to stay. That song went up at the stadium. I'd be willing to bet the reason that song went up is because everyone knows he's not staying, right? Like, and that's not to say people don't love him. I think. It is the perfect moment for club and player and fans to say goodbye, to celebrate what he did do this season and move forward. As you've said, Clive, I think in all of us, there's a complexity to our feelings about things online. Some of that complexity gets stripped away often to the negative or to the positive, right? People just broadcast their strongest feeling, but then I think in the ground when that person is there and you look, you want to hug each other. You want to celebrate. You want to be happy. No one, you know, I don't think anybody wants to be miserable. Sometimes the football makes you miserable. You don't have a choice. So I think what happens is, you know, at the ground, you see the player and you see the sunshine and you see everybody there and it's, it's all good. And, and, and you sort of try to extract or amplify the joy of that. And sometimes online, different things get amplified. Like I'll just, I will say my honest truth. It's all I can give you. I loved that he scored. I loved that he got the, the, the love. I sang the granite Shaka song. I celebrated the season he gave us. I think it is a perfect time for club and player and, and, and fan base to move on from one another. You don't get a redemption arc like that very often. And the one way to screw it up is just stay too long and have the arc arc back the other way because arcs have a tendency to do that. Um, you know, if he scored one goal and had three red cards next season, you know, all of this good feeling would ebb away. So I think it's perfect. Tim, you know, he gets the brace. He, he could have had the hat trick, if we're being honest, um, on his left foot. It was right there for him. I think some people were wondering if we got a penalty, would he... Would he take the penalty? Um, there was certainly some questions about could he get a red card? Uh, that might have been a nice, <laughs> nice send off, but uh, he did he did not do that, thankfully. So, all things being equal, I, I thought it was a, it was a great, great moment for him. And uh, you know what I will do, by the way, I'll chop up some of my video from the game and from the weekend and, and put that up on Patreon as a as a slideshow, video show, whatever, and try to put some things together for YouTube as well so you can share it. But like, um, yeah, it was, it was, I think there are, you rarely, rarely get perfect moments. And when you get perfect moments, don't look those gift that gift horse in the mouth, accept it. So I, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but Tim, just quickly with Shaq, I mean, do you, do you get that sense? It's the perfect ending. And when you get the perfect ending, don't, don't screw it up. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was such a lovely day and moment for him. I do think it's funny that when Mikel was asked about it after the game, um, I, he was said uh, on Granite Shackle leaving the club, you know that? That's news for me. <laughs> I mean, I don't think so, mate. But yeah, just a final thought on on what I think was the the most unexpectedly special moment shared between a fan base and a player that you could ever have seen coming. 
Yeah, absolutely. It, it underscored the the whole day. Um, actually, like the th- it fitted in very nicely with the theme of the day, and and you know was one of the dominant themes. And if you'd have told me a couple of years ago that the whole Emirates would be singing Granite Jacker, we want you to stay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not not sure I would have believed you. Put it that way, but just just really happy for can, him. Can I stop you there? Because I want to I want to get your honest opinion of that if it wasn't announced that he was leaving, mm. or you know if it was more of a rumor, and people like. Do you think everybody wants Granite Jacket to stay or do you think it's no. that like perfect moment of like, we're going to pour love on you because we also know that we're saying this goodbye. Everybody's kind of sharing yeah. that. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure there are, you know, people will feel many different ways about it. Um, but I don't think I don't think as divisively as maybe we used to disagree on Jacker. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it was just the right day to to really spotlight him, and you know he I say he spotlighted himself by scoring two goals. I mean, I, I don't mean that he was deliberately trying to hog the limelight or anything like that. But you know, just someone whose whose qualities we've been able to appreciate more in the last couple mm. of seasons, and I think. I, you know, I think we, we've kind of been surprised by how he's adapted to that new role. But really, I think what's happened is that he wasn't really suited to the old role. Um, he wasn't really suited in a distribution sense. He was fine being that six and kind of whipping the ball around on his left foot. But athletically, I don't think it was for him. I, and I think we've described him more than once as an endurance athlete. And actually, yeah. I can see now why Arsene Wenger was confused about whether he was a six or whether he was a box-to-box midfielder because athletically I think he fits that much more when he's kind of running in a straight line mm-hmm. rather than, oh my God, we've lost the ball and I've got the whole width of the pitch. Like that didn't suit him because he's not a he's not a sprinter. He's not a Gabriel. He's not a Saliba. He's not going to get over into those spaces and cover those spaces. But actually what he is is someone who can and will chug up and down all day. And actually, as, as much as we've been surprised by how he's adapted to this role, I think what he showed us is this this is his role and that the one he had before probably just exposed too many of his weaknesses. Yeah, well said. Well, we did a couple of interesting things in this game. We obviously went with the same lineup we went with previously um, in the Forest game. Thomas Party playing the Zinchenko role. <clears throat> so he inverted, right? And he, he came into midfield. Kivior playing more of the Ben White role. He got... Uh, created the width, which I think suits us better when we have Trissard versus Martinelli, right? Because Trissard likes to be more of an interior. And it all just worked in a really lovely way. There were some great flicks and tricks from Odegaard. Um, You know, I I thought that there was just good play all around. And it was like the perfect final day for the front three, I thought. Um, Trissard had a couple of assists. And... uh, Saka gets a goal after a bit of a fallow period. He gets to feel the love. It was a beautiful goal, shift and shoot. And Jesus gets an assist and a goal. Um, Clive, that I don't think that we need to analyze the the formation and the tactics too much because it's the final game of the season, and I think it, it's not a system we're going to see a lot. But do you think it tells us maybe a bit about when we don't have Zinchenko, that the alternative, because it's very hard to replace a Zinchenko like for like, is to invert on the other side, or that maybe our backup plan for left back will be someone like a Kivior. So like, when we don't play with Zinchenko, we'll flip it, we'll invert to the other side. I thought the balance looked good. It's hard to judge against a Wolves team that really didn't care to be there at all, but that might be an interesting takeaway, that if you don't have Zinchenko, that you then don't try to just replace him on the left. You flip the whole thing around, and it worked fine this game. Yeah, we we are a three-two build-up team, 
back five, front yeah. five. And we are looking at different configurations of that three, two. And I didn't, I was so pleased to see this again because I didn't, I thought it was fine at Forest. Well, what wasn't fine was the lead into the the game and what was on the game. We our mental approach wasn't wasn't great, and some of the positioning with new combinations wasn't perfect. But I thought there was enough there to to think about for next season. I had my eyes on Kivio for left back for a while, and I spoke to that on the podcast. So that was interesting to see how he did. I think from that area, he has he has the ability to find a long ball, find a long diagonal. That will come with more confidence. He's, he's decent in the air. He's quite quick, so I don't see any problem there. He's good in the ball. That's something to to be developed. Again, just think three two. So you want your centre back, full back tights. We've got we've got another one, which is great. We got another inverted player that can play from the right. I thought he was I thought he was better in this game. A bit more confident in positioning to be more inverted. Again, that's something to be developed. Jorginho then has a. You know, he's got nice comfort around him with Trossard quite near and, and party to the right. And so in a game where we weren't massively tested after the first goal, we could see his go-forward talents from the back five. Lovely clip pass over the top. So yeah, I, I don't I never think these games are wasted, Elliot. And what they are telling us is we are trying stuff out. And that may say, okay, we've seen that work. So no need to go and buy a new left back. We may go and buy a new right back. You know, and who brings something else to the party that we haven't currently got? Will we buy a centre back that can play both sides? You know, comfortable playing on the left, comfortable playing on the right. You know, we haven't really got that case to again to future proof us against injury. Again, seeing where we are with Tommy Asso, is, is he going to be a left back cover? Quite easily be a left back cover for us. And if Kivior's playing a centre back, so there's so many things we could do with that configuration now. Right? I like the, I like where we're going. You know, I like this thought process. What I haven't got to yet in my mind is what you're going to do in the front five to create depth. What you're going to do in the in the left centre mid stroke left eight position. What that position looks like, how it's going to be defined. I think that's a longer discussion to have there. The, the sprinting ability that we need to add in wide areas to make sure we protect the legs of the two superstars, which we know and love, that have new contracts. We have to backfill those properly with a level of quality and don't be afraid of that. So, yeah, and do we do something at centre forward? You know, and so there's, there's, there's some lovely, lovely, lovely questions to discuss over the summer, which are far easier to discuss this summer than last summer because mm. we have a clear idea of this, how we're going to play. Mate, this time last year, we weren't talking about inverted fullbacks, mate. We weren't talking about Zinchenko. We had an idea we might get a better centre forward, but we had no idea of this build-up patterns and and technical control in the centre of the pitch because our left back did two jobs. We didn't have that in our heads. We, that was not in our preseason previews, you know. So, um, so what we're going to see new this year? That's what excites me. Something that maybe we haven't even thought of yet, and I, I can't wait to find out. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. We got. 22 goals and assists from Odegaard, 25 goals and assists from Saka, 20 goals and assists from Martinelli, 17 from Jesus in basically 60% of a season or half a season, 14 from Shaka. We got 11 from Trissard, but 10 assists. He's the second assister on the team only to Saka, and he was only here for half the season. Um, just incredible output. What is it, 88 goals? 88 goals. 
I mean, you know, I, I, if you enjoyed the season only for the title challenge, I'd understand it, but I enjoyed the hell out of it for the football and the goals we scored. And, you know, the fact that it tailed off a little bit defensively at the end of the season, we lost sight of that, but we, we always looked dynamic and dangerous throughout the season. I enjoyed it. Before we get to the lap of appreciation and some end of season thoughts, Tim, the Granite Shacka send off was special. Not everybody had the exact same experience of the season. And there are two that I'm sort of curious about. We think Tierney is off. He got subbed on. Not a lot of fanfare there. He got off the pitch pretty quickly from the lap of appreciation, by the way. Not a lot of fanfare for Smith Rowe either. I mean, he got a big clap when he came on, but um, not really an appearance where he was noticed. Certainly no big end-of-season moment for him and an uncertain future that he heads off into this summer. Maybe not. Maybe that's just us um, overlaying our expectations onto a situation that doesn't exist. But thoughts on either of their appearances, their their day that they had, and what the future holds for them? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty perfunctory uh, for both of them, particularly Tim. Word. Yeah, may, maybe a little bit unfortunate that I think he was subbed on after a goal and there was still, you know, it wasn't like a... I get the feeling that, uh, and uh, I imagine this is probably in accordance with the players' wishes, that maybe he doesn't want a big fan fact because he's going in very... If he's going... I think he is. But if he's going, he's going in very different circumstances to Xhaka, who's been a starter all season long. Um, and has been a starter since pretty much he walked in the door. And whereas Tierney's lost his place. And I think Tierney has got that kind of um, professional pride where I, I think the thing is with Tierney, it's been clear, I think, for a little while that maybe he's a bit disconnected from this group. And I, I don't mean that in a he hates everyone and everyone hates him. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that's not the case. But, you know, I think he's. He's seen the writing on the wall for a while. He's probably had in his mind for a while. I, d- I don't want this anymore. I want to go and play, which is that I, I want players to think that. Um, you know, I, particularly players like Tierney, who's got a lot to offer. I don't want him thinking, oh, I could do this again next season. This is all right. Like, you want players who uh, who uh, who don't want to be that. That's the kind of um, that's the uh, the paradox, right? You want squad players who don't want to be squad players. Um, we've all read the story this week about a particular squad player who uh, apparently we're hearing the stories is, is quite happy mm. <laughs> to stay that way for the last year of their contract, yep. um, which, which is fair enough. The club gave them that contract. So no, I, I want squad players who are like, no, I want to play. Um, and and so, you know, that's that's all kind of fine. I, I think uh, I, I'm quite interested, though, in and like the, the mood music with Smith Rowe as well looks very much that way. His sub appearances haven't been great, but then they've all been lousy dead minutes, which I think tells you something anyway. But I think really you, you referenced it there in terms of the amount of goals we've been able to score this season. Like, I'm looking at us at the back, experimenting with things like this. And Clive explained it there all very well, where it's a bit like, let's try Partey at right back and Kivior at left back and see, you know, I get the impression they want one more versatile defender and maybe that pushes Rob Holding out the door. But they're just trying to figure out, do we want 
a left back, you know, do we want like a, a centre back that plays right back or a centre back that plays left back? I, I suspect that they, they only bought Kivior six months ago. I suspect they've already made their mind up that he can play at left back, and that was a big part of why they bought him. I think it's having a look at Partey at right back. I think that's what they're interested in. And then that will kind of set the mood music for what happens with Tomiyasu and do we need something there? What do we need there? Et cetera, et cetera. Whereas in attack, I think we need more. I think we need more in attack because, listen, Trossard's been a great addition, really great addition. That makes it like four players for three positions that you'll be very comfortable with. We need six. We need six players in that front three who you'd be very, very comfortable with. Smith-Rowe is clearly not that in the manager's mind. I don't think Inketia is either. He's another one who had, obviously it doesn't look like he's going, but he's another one who had another fairly perfunctory substitute appearance and someone we don't really talk about anymore. And I think he's fallen to the third choice in that kind of centre-forward profile. So, you know, look, we've been relying too much on Martinelli and Saka. Just look at the minutes. But like we talk about this with Saka, we don't talk about it with Martinelli probably because, um, you know, we talk about academy players in a different way and Mm. we hold them a bit dearer. But Martinelli, just the same like every game pretty much and he's so intense with it and he just looks like a machine but he's not a machine and you know we need someone who can who can take some of those minutes as well and i think that's i think that's where we need something like defense like we're talking about like one more maybe versatile player we're not talking about someone to come in and transform that defense you know yeah. we're we're probably looking at another kivior Tommy Asu let let um, Tierney go. Whereas up front, I think a good wide forward, a good centre forward. I don't know that we'll get we'd get both done in this window, but I, I think it's the attack where we need. We've got quality. We need numbers. I regret to inform everybody we are linked to someone called Bowie, and that's just <laughs> going to reignite that debate. And I know everybody's going to be frustrated by that. Um, Clive, it sounds like you want to jump in on that. No, as Tim was talking about defence, names are flying from my my head. There is there's three players. Bowie, the one that Elliot has just uh, annihilated. Um, an interesting one is uh, Mark Gay from Crystal Palace. Um, mm. Can play centre-back on both sides. Decent on the ball, good in one-on-ones. Known to the league. The price looks a bit heavy, but good player that probably needs a move. Uh, he's not too bad. Fresnader's come into the, uh, into the press again today. So this is mm. an interesting one. There's a guy at RB Labs we call Mohamed Simikan. That looks looks quite nice, but I don't think he's that great on the ball actually. But I just think, Let's, just think, just think. Back five, <clears throat> three, two. Remember, Elliot, we sat here and discussed at length the loss of Saliba, and what did we lose? We lost build up. Yeah. So if build up is going to be one of our key principles of play. When you look at these signings, think build up. Back five. Think build up first phase. How good they're on the ball. How can they pass through the lines? All the stuff that you like, mate. Your attack, attack, attack mindset. Yep. When you're on the YouTubes, (laughs) um, think build up first phase. Three, two, build up. Can they build up? You know, and um, and then we can think about the front five, which I I agree with Tim one hundred percent. And the way he broke that down was perfect. We need two in there, and we need to be brave. You know, yeah. and some people say, well, we scored enough goals. We scored by committee. We did really, really well. But we need to add depth because we have not had 
a two-pronged approach on two different competitions without a break in the middle of the season. We don't know the robustness and the, the stamina of this group and we cannot pretend the way we've done it the last two, three years is going to work. It, it won't work. We've got to change our mindset. I just, we need to do, um, yeah, please. Mm-hmm. On. I, I just want to, yeah, just one quick thing on the defense as well. The, the other thing that's really interesting about experimenting with Partey at right back, and I'm, I'm fairly open minded on that. I, I think it's worked fine. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge that both the, both of the games kind of very, very different temperature wise. But we probably found Ben White as a center back again. Um, yeah. and seen yeah. him play there and look why did we buy him because he'd played right back he played right of a back three he played center back he played div- we bought him for his kind of versatility and not because we thought he was going to be like a plug-in utility man but because he can he can and and like the last two games we've kind of gone oh yeah this is the Ben White of last season we liked him as well as much as we like Ben White the right back actually Ben White the centre back's pretty good as well and yeah I think finding that again has been interesting I'll say this about positional football it's educated me on something which is I used to think of versatility as oh you're not great at anything so you get plugged in where you're available right you're you're a useful cog to have but what I think I'm learning is with positional football, it's about where can you play on the pitch? What parts of the pitch can you operate on, right? So with, with a Ben White, you say he can operate wide in in that overlapping fullback role and, and take some of the touchline zone five or zone one, whatever you want to call it, space in attack and drop back and tuck in next to a center back. He can operate in central spaces, right? He can operate in the different zones on the pitch, right? I mean, you look at Zinchenko. Zinchenko's nailed down a, a place, but it's his versatility that nailed him down in the sense that he can operate in midfield spaces so he can be part of the two and the three, two buildup. Yeah. Just some things that I think the word versatility almost used to be a way to damn someone with faint praise. That's not the case anymore. We got to get onto the lap of appreciation. We got to get on to Arteta's comments, some of the reception the players received and some goodbyes to the season here a little bit. Uh, I'd be remiss, by the way, if I didn't say Jorginho absolutely ran the show in this game. He was spectacular. It is a really weird signing for me that I don't think I've gotten my head around because we didn't ultimately win the league, but he gave us some big moments and big performances that kept our season going. He is, you know, you know me. I love to point out when people are getting older, he says getting older, and he is getting older (laughs) in a midfield that is getting older. Um, So I do wonder what the future of that move is, but would be remiss if we did not say that he was brilliant. Uh, I thought he was excellent in this game and, and, you know, faded some balls over the top in the runners <clears throat> that led to some beautiful goals, Clive. I just say, I remember when Arteta first joined and two players he wanted to buy was Jorginho and John Stones. And he did, that was quite early in his reign. This was John Stones going for a dodgy period with um, Man City on the bench for ages. And I remember posting, this is a great signing. And people told me he's not as good as holding. That shows you how things can change, right? So John Stones is now the main man. Do you think he's as good as Holding? I think he's the one, <laughs> the, the best defender in Europe. Um, now he's had chance to recover himself. And Jorginho turned out and went to Champions League and won that. And it just shows you that he knew what he wanted really, really quickly. And Ben White really is our John Stones, you know. And that's why he was my Player of the Season on Saturday night. Because mm. not only did he can do the backfire stuff, he was a part of the front six, mate. He was overlapping, going around the outside. Positional play, he is he is a wonderful buy, and I hope he yeah. 
gets his reward of a new contract. We'd also be remiss if we didn't say that, you know, with <clears throat> with the summer here, it is it gets hot, it can be uncomfortable, and it's really important to shave your privates. So our good friends at Manscaped are back. Father's Day is coming up in the States. Hey, guys, Clive or Tim, when is, when is Father's Day in, in the UK? Uh, some point in June. Yeah, yeah, June, yeah. S- June same, 20th, something like that. All right. Same for us. So, so there's time. There's time for, you know, to, to celebrate yourself or, or women. If you have a, a partner who is a father or if you have a father, I would say if you're a daughter um, and you want to celebrate your father, nothing would be weirder than getting him tools that are designed to shave his privates. But, you know, like sometimes we get weird here and we certainly don't shame anybody for anything um, except ourselves quite frequently. And I'm doing it presently as I speak. But... The total package is here for Father's Day. This just feels weird putting all this together, doesn't it? Um, Join the 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get 20% off of free shipping with code ArsenalVision at Manscaped.com. So a couple of things you can get. You can get the uh, Performance Package 4.0, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. The Essential Lawnmower 4.0 is is my tool of choice uh, for body grooming, I would say. It is waterproof. It is cordless. It has um, skin-safe technology with ceramic blades. It, it's just one of these things that I feel like, look, we do this. This is a thing we do. So you can pick the tool you want to use. You want to use an old razor that's been sitting there for ages or, you know, what you know what you want to do it out of the shower and then you got to figure out how to clean up all the mess. Just do it in the shower with the lawnmower 4.0 and you're going to feel great and it's going to go great. There's the Weed Whacker 2.0 for nose and ear hair trimming. I feel like it's the weirdest thing that, you know, people shave and they'll do their hair and they'll look great. And then there's like ear hair or nose hair. And it's like, come on, then you got, you got to finish it. You got to finish it. Don't be Gabriel Jesus. Don't miss the sitter. Get rid of the ears, ear and nose hair. And, and, you know, kudos to Gabriel Jesus, who had a beautiful headed goal. And then uh, when the Red Sea parted and he was in on goal, he, he, missed the, he missed the easy one. Didn't get the shot off. So it was sort of a perfect day for him. Um, where was I? I don't know. Oh, yeah, there's the Boxers 2.0. I love them. I use them for workouts. There are toners and deodorants. Get the uh, perfect package for your father. Oh, God. Just, just get, you know what? Get the performance package 4.0. Use promo code Arsenal Vision. You get 20% off and free shipping. 20% off and free shipping with the code Arsenal Vision at manscaped.com. And uh, you can do that now. And, and I can move on from this, I would say, disgustingly uncomfortable advertising read that I've done here. By the way, thanks to everyone who said they wish my ad reads went longer. Could they be 10 minutes? Could they be 15 minutes? Let's see. You know, we push ourselves. We're going to be in the Champions League next season. Maybe we can go even longer. I'm really excited, by the way. We have a new sponsor, and it's like it's a big sponsor. It is a a brand we know, Oakley. Oakley sunglasses. Um, I I am really really excited. I I wear Oakley sunglasses. They're one of the brands that I have chosen. Um, you know the the Oakley model that I wear. What what is that model called actually? HSTM maybe. I I I love them. Um, they have prism technology. Like you have to protect your eyes. You need polarized lenses. I'm not going to tell you all about Prism technology because I do it badly and you don't want me to do that. Why don't you do the research at oakley.com? Um, by the way, you know, Killian Mbappe wears Oakley, so there's a good chance that if you wear Oakley, you will play as well as Killian Mbappe and your five aside. So just something to think about. Maybe, you know, maybe we just get some Oakley sunglasses on Eddie and Ketty or something, and then he just goes on to be Killian Mbappe and he can push Alexander Lacazette for the golden boot. Um, so yes, I do love uh, Oakley and I, I do love the, the styles that you know, the other thing about Oakley is they are, they're everyday sunglasses like that's So, so one of the things I love is the way they fit the quality of them. I, I have trouble with feeling like sunglasses are going to fall off or they're flimsy. Oakley's feel really, really well-made, but they, uh, they are for every day. And that prism technology is for wearing every day. So when you wear Oakley, there is really more than meets the eye. 
Try it for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life. I can assure you Oakley is not just great looking, but great quality. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. That's oakley.com. Do it now. Clive? Is that enough of that? Indeed. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we should get to lap of appreciation stuff. Tim, I, I love the lap of appreciation. It is It is a favorite part of the seasons that I've had these last two seasons because I just think you see a lot out there and you get a lot of joy. But this one, my goodness. You know, last season, I think, good number of people stuck around. This season, it felt like 95% of people, minus the Wolves mm-hmm. fans, uh, and there was something going on with the police officers in the Wolves fan <laughs> section at the end of the game, so hopefully everything was okay there. But everybody stayed, and it was loud, and the cheers were going up. The women got to come out first. They got to put the Conti Cup on the center circle. You know, They got to be celebrated, as they rightly should, as part of the club. Um, and then the men came out, and, and Odegaard had some words, and then Mikel Arteta decided that he was going to speak, except he couldn't, because he was absolutely drowned out by people singing his song. Um, I know that people like Mikel Arteta. I don't think it's fair to say that there's many doubters anymore. I mean, there's always going to be some. And and I would say that if you have doubts, I'd love to hear them. I think there are still always fair criticisms of every coach. There's fair criticisms of Pep Guardiola, right? Um, but the intensity of the enthusiasm with which he was his his song was sung and the smile on his face on the big screen as he attempted to get a word in, um, it was really, really a special moment. Have you ever experience because you've, you've been to quite a few lap of appreciations including in seasons where we've you know won the league at white hart lane we won the league at anfield you we won at lane stanford bridge old trafford how did this um how did this compare to some of those great lap of appreciation moments and and in particular that mikel arteta moment yeah yeah i mean look i'm not gonna lie it doesn't really compare to 2004 or even 2006 the last Fair game enough. at highbury yeah. um but it's close. Actually, one one of the earliest, um, one of my earliest memories of the Emirates, and I, I really remember it just because this is just an illustration of how life changes, right? Um, Arsene Wenger. It was October two thousand six. We played Watford, so it was one of it was uh, the fifth or sixth home game at the stadium, and it was the tenth anniversary of Wenger being there. And there was a presentation on the pitch um, for Wenger, and everyone was chanting 10 more years," <laughs> and. Um, and what's what's really interesting is on his twentieth anniversary there was no presentation, um, you know that like that didn't that was kind of kept quieter because people didn't feel like that anymore. You know how that kind of light and airy feeling can can go. I mean, ten years is not quickly, but you know how it can <laughs> go, how how it can sour. But um, I, I thought first off, um, you know, bringing the women's team out in the way they did. By the way, the format was exactly the same uh, for the women at Meadow Park as well. The day before, they had their last game. Nigel Mitchell was at Meadow Park, uh, the the kind of pitch side announcer. He doesn't usually do the women's games, but he did that one. And Kim Little was the captain, and Jonas Eideval was the manager. Both addressed the crowd, so exactly the same format. Um, as, as we saw at the Emirates and the work that has been done um, to make it clear that the Emirates is the stadium for the women's team as well, um, that none of that's an accident. Um, so that that was all really good. And, and I think uh, Clive and I spoke about this on the, on the Patreon version of the pod. So uh, we'll try not to repeat ourselves too much for those of you who have heard that. But essentially, it's just, it's just a nice 
distillation of how a stadium actually feels because that we've got super Mick Arteta song. I mean, that is kind of his song, but at the same time, it's kind of a song for the whole team. It's become a bit of an anthem. Yeah. You don't, yeah, yeah. You don't necessarily think of it as like just his song. Um, and I remember the first time it really went up at Villa away last season when we won one nil and, um, you know, he really got that, that, big outpouring of love from the away end for like the first time. And obviously like the manager isn't on the pitch, like scoring goals and, you know, Granite Xhaka, for example, he gets to score two goals and, you know, get everyone sing his name and everything like that. But a coach doesn't necessarily get that. And don't get me wrong. I knew that, that I think at this point, the majority of the fan base is very behind Arteta, but it was really, I don't want to say it was surprising. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I was slightly surprised, not unpleasantly. I definitely expect him to get, don't get me wrong. I didn't think he'd get a bad reception or anything or even an indifferent one. I thought he'd get a good one, but it was, it was raucous. It was, you know, it, it wasn't quite Ian Wright at Union Chapel, but it was close. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. And it went on and it and went on, on and on. He would not speak. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was just, it's just really nice to get that gauge again, particularly like, because we're all very online these days and we, we debate things and we talk about things and we argue about things, you know, to, to different, like, do, I'm not talking about like blazing rows or anything, but you know, you exchange with people, you talk and you, you know, you, you get into the weeds and that's what you should do. That's how you develop your thinking. That's how you have conversations. But that felt like a nice zoom out moment where it was like, wow, this crowd is really behind him and that level of trust as well, particularly because, you know, we didn't win the league um, and all of that. It, it, it would have been easy for that feeling to be called, but I, I almost felt like this was a, we trust you um, with this. And uh, again, Clive and I spoke about this on the Patreon pod, you know, me and some friends were talking about Smith Road before the game. Um you know, and um, I was saying, obviously, David Ornstein has kind of uh, tweeted in the last few minutes that he's definitely staying and et cetera, et cetera. But we, we were talking about him and I was just like, look, I really like that player. I think he's great, but I've just moved to this level of trust with Arteta where it's like, if he doesn't want him, I'm kind, kind of okay with that. And my position with anyone he doesn't want really is, okay, then they have to go and get someone you do want because I've moved to that level of trust where I kind of think if we get have the players that the manager wants, I think will be really good because that's the tra- trajectory that we've been on for the last two seasons. So, yeah, and it was it was a nice moment for him as well to be able to to be able to get some of that as well, and and I'm sure he doesn't want to get lost in that you know in the season and everything, but just that moment just after the last game of the season, that's the breath out moment, isn't it? Like I'm sure he'll have like one day off or something. Um, so yeah, just really nice for him. And, you know, he came on the lap of appreciation with his kids and, mm. and everything. And yeah, just, just a nice moment just for all of us to be able to say thank you. And for him to understand that, um, the, the, you know, the fans have really appreciated what they've seen this season. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, he delivered the second most points in the history of the Premier League era and the most goals scored in the Premier League era by Arsenal Football Club. Like, it, it, it is an achievement. I realize that there were mistakes were made. Mistakes are made in every season. City have made mistakes. City have made mistakes. 
<clears throat> it just turns out that the team with the 115 charges is at a level of its development that we couldn't quite go to. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he deserves the support that he got and the noise that he heard. And I think the Ornstein tweet on Smith Rowe is interesting, by the way. I'll say this, him staying doesn't mean suddenly he's a central cog in what we're doing. That remains to be seen. We'll have to see. I do think a fit Smith Rowe, who is at his best, makes us a much better team from a purely talent standpoint. He is not the kind of player you can just go out in the market and replace. I don't think. I think he is a special talent if he's fit and really at his best and understands his role and works at it. So we'll have to see. <clears throat> Clive, any, anything you want to tease out of the lap of appreciation, whether it's the, the Arteta moment, um, Bakayo Saka getting mobbed by kids. One of my favorite things about the lap of appreciation is always seeing uh, professional footballers, five and six-year-old children being much better at football than I have ever been or ever will be at any point in my life as they curl them into the top corner on the Emirates pitch. You just see the the incredible talent that has pe- been passed down genetically to their children. Um but yeah, uh, a pieces from the the lap of appreciation. The Saliba song got to run out. It's been a while since we've heard that one. That was a nice moment. Yeah, so I don't. I haven't got a memory like Tim for every Arsenal event in the last hundred fifty years. Um, mm. So I haven't got so, a memory for this morning. So you're, you're doing better than <laughs> I've me. been on loads yeah. of these lap of appreciations, and I couldn't tell you one of them. Honestly, <laughs> I can't yeah. tell you one. Um, but what I will say, a couple of things that stood out to me. I thought I thought the Arteta moment was the moment of the day. I thought, you know, Grant Shack, I thought we've seen players come and go. But when you see the manager get that level of appreciation, that's really important. That's yep. really very important to where we're going directionally and what people have seen. People are not stupid. They can see things. They can understand. The word trust came up in our conversation yesterday, Tim, and and we trust that he's going to continue this trajectory. We trust he's going to be ruthless enough to do what needs to be done. And and that's really, really, you know, I, 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 we spent too many, too many months and years being completely divisive in our support for the club. And when the manager, the guy that has to make all the substitutions, all the signings, all the in-game management, all the post-game interviews and pre-game press conferences, he has got many, many, many opportunities to cheese us all off. And then when it comes to it, he gets that level of support. I think that's major, major, mm. major achievement. And I think he was he was taken aback by it. And there was Josh Cronkey was filming it. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is really, really good because Josh Cronkey was last seen at Brighton looking around the empty stadium with five minutes to go. Right. So it's really, really yeah. important that the real Arsenal was shown. And so that was a one moment of the day. And also, obviously, we're lucky enough to be, you know. To see what's happened this season live and direct on some occasions, etc. And obviously some of the work that you've done earlier around the charity side of things has see, allowed you to meet some people within the club. And we know that there is a family feeling within the club. There's lots of professional alignment, lots of really good relationships being built in the back in the back room, the staff that work there, we very special people. And when you see them on the pitch in that collective family, staff, all one, I thought when that picture comes out, if it's not already, I hadn't noticed that before to that level of people. There would seem to be hundreds of people on the pitch. And that shows you the people that support the players professionally and personally were all there. And all the people that work there, the people, their support structure was all involved. And as you, 
as you know, all these people are in an extreme elite environment and they can't get there without a sacrifice of their families. They can't, you know, and it's really good to see them also included. So, yeah, it's, it's a nice place at the moment, but on, a, on the soft side of things, on the professional side of things, we hope that's going to keep going forward. But the end-to-end alignment and, and connection, that's the word that Arteta used, wasn't it? Connection. Mm-hmm. It's clear for all of us to see, right? And in after this weekend, you know what's in the pit of my stomach? I just want it to continue. Just want it to continue yeah. and get better. And there's this little Elliot fear bone that comes out every now and again that says, no, I, don't want, I don't want this to stop. You know, I don't, care how, I don't care how long it takes. I'm not interested. I just want us to all go on it together in a positive way. And uh, I don't, you know, it's going to be bumpy, right? But I don't care. I just want us to get to that better place and enjoy it. And without having the feeling that um, once we do get there, we're not going to want something else. You know, and that's what generally what humans are like. You know, Man City won the league. They want the Champions League. You know, so you, we're never going to be satisfied, but I want to make sure we can enjoy that experience together. Yeah. <clears throat> Tim, it's, it's, it's hard because whatever disappointment we feel about this season, there is that little part of you that knows next season is not guaranteed to be as fun as this one was. Mm-hmm. Something unexpected can go wrong. Things can happen you don't see coming. Some team can be better than you thought they would be, and you can be worse. I mean, you look at Chelsea, and I really recommend you strongly look at Chelsea. Do it as much as possible because it's a hell of a fun thing to do. I don't think anybody saw the mess of who they are and what they would be and where this would go as quickly as it has. Um, Tottenham, another good example and another fun one to look at. Things things change very fast season to season. Leicester going down. You know, I mean, yep. you, you talked about 10 years being a long time. You know, it's not even 10 years ago they won the league. And now they're mm-hmm. in the championship. So see, it's weird because seasons are only separated by a couple of months and it shouldn't make that much of a difference. But somehow the stories they tell are so, so different. Um, I think the biggest thing that's going to happen to Arsenal Football Club is the return of Champions League football. It felt like a birthright for 20 years. You, When you love your club, you pay attention to what your club is doing. But let's be honest, no one pays attention to the Conference League or the Europa League. No one pays attention to it. When we were in the Champions League, I couldn't have told you who was in the final for the, for the Europa League. The Champions League is the pinnacle of, of football globally. While the Premier League is the best domestic league, the, the Champions League is something else. We have to do well in it. We cannot... You know, the one funny thing about the Europa League, everyone's like, oh, we should try to win it. We should go for it. But everybody also agrees that in the group stage, like, you shouldn't even play a single starter. They shouldn't even get a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the Champions League ain't that. Now, it does look like we're probably going to wind up in pot two, thanks to a Juventus point deduction, which is a huge boost to everything in our season. I know it sounds dumb, but guys, we could have been in a group with two Titans and had a very difficult group stage. It also means players are playing 90 minutes, you know, twice a week, the whole start of the season. You may now get one extra. No one's a real minnow. Well, there's some real minnows in the Champions League, but, you know, games where you can be a little more thoughtful about who you put out there, but is steel manning the squad for the Champions League and proving that we can fight on two fronts. The the big question mark sounds too pointed, but I'll just say it, the big question mark and the yeah. big area to address going into next season. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, that that's one thing Arteta's record hasn't been that good in the Europa League. I think we probably all understand there's a context around that um, vis-a-vis kind of trying to do it at a 70% tilt rather than being all in. Um, but he'll be aware of that. He, You know, he, he's ambitious for himself as well as the club, um, which is absolutely right. And he won't, he won't want to be Conte. He won't want to be the guy that's like, ah, he's good in the league, but the Champions League or Europe, he'll just, you know, he'll just crash out. Like, he doesn't want to be that guy. He's ambitious as well. And, you know, for the club, it's important as well. Um, not just to be in the Champions League group stage. And by the way, I can't wait for that first home game in the Champions the music League plays? next season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's it's going to go off when that happens. Whoever whoever we might be playing in that game and the first Champions League away game. You know, the t- I think you might need a lot of away credits to to get in on that one. And um and you know that's that's how it should be. We should be excited to be in this competition again. And and that break has probably given us that perspective, but. Um, you're right. Like we we need to because we we took a year off the cups this year, and I was fine with that. I'm not fine yep. with it next year. We can't do yep. that next year. Um, you know, a, f- a few more like you know, just better in and some of that's with the, like better integration of maybe players like Tommy Asu. We could have done that with Tierney, um, particularly in the Europa League group stage. I think the manager has to be self-critical and say there were times where he didn't trust players enough because that's just what you've got to do, whether you really, really want to or not. Sometimes you've just got to do that and those are mainly your players. Um, And obviously, uh, in terms of squad building, we need to move to a more fluid phase when it comes to kind of interchanging. And that's why I'm really interested in some of this news that's coming out, like Nelson, like Smith-Rowe, Mm. Um, cause the thing is, it's like, for, like for me, fine. If you want to keep Smith Rowe, fine. I, I, everyone knows, I think there's a real player in there, but like if we keep Smith Rowe and it's the same as last season, that's a bad decision. It's a bad call. He has to, and, and the same with Nelson. If he keeps Nelson and Nelson signs a new contract and he's at 600 minutes next season, that's a bad decision. He needs to be keeping these players because, not based on a hunch, but because he's convinced that they can chuck in well over a thousand minutes if needed. And if that happens, like, and they develop and we get more out of their talent, great. But this can't just be, yeah, he might do it. So let's just get like, like, no. No, and I think we've kind of seen like the decision to give Inketa a new contract last summer. Like, I think that was expedient just in terms of versus the money to buy another one. But, like, honestly, Inketa is probably someone we should have just made some money out of somewhere down the line because I'm looking at an Arteta team and I don't really see a space for Inketa in it, and therefore ending up giving him like a big contract, I think has been a poor allocation of resources, really, if we're honest with ourselves. I don't want Smith-Rowe and Nelson to be like that. If they're going to stay, they it has to be because they're going to be big players. And that's, you know, that's a test um, for Arteta because we haven't seen that yet. doesn't mean he can't do it or that we doubt that he can do it, but he hasn't done it yet. Yeah, well said, Tim. Um, Clive, how about you? Is it it's not about the Cups next season. That's not what I mean. But is it about fighting on multiple fronts and making sure that the team can simultaneously 
try to get to a point total that feels almost unfair from an expectation level. I mean, it's unfair to ask any team going into a season, you have to get into the 90s, it's what we probably have to do, and can also be a credible contender for and, and participant in the Champions League. Yeah, so touch on Smith Rowe stuff firstly, I think. Yeah, please. I think Arteta said, you know, it's not just about buying players, it's about improving the players that you have. And my mind just went straight away to Vieira Smithrow. Like that's the two players that are in my mind. They're uh, they're they're major investments in their own ways, in different ways, and we haven't got enough out of both of them. And they're both 22, 23. So, but what we do have, we have control of the assets. I think that's very important. The Eddie discussion, to me, we didn't pay a penny for him. He's on a slightly heavy contract, but he, if, he were, if we were to go out and buy another centre forward, it costs a lot more than keeping Eddie. Right? So, so that sort of makes sense to me. And we have control of the assets. So, so if we get a market opportunity, we can, we can do something with it. Well, we, we want to move away from the period where we had no control over the assets. Where if I knew they were dead assets, we had to give them away. So we're in control of the situation. Even the Smith Rowe release today could be saying to a pr- prospective buyer, that, by the way, this. Mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. going to go to the way to the Euros for the England 21s in the summer. He's going to hopefully kick it there, refine his confidence, don't have a holiday, come back to pre-season four KTs later like Granite Shaka did. We're in, we're in the US watching him rip it and suddenly a whole situation changes right and and he's pushing mm-hmm. Trossard's minutes out and we're sending Vieira out on loan and that's that's what can happen very very quickly well it's, down to, it's down to him it's not down to us it's down to him only on the player you've got a contract you've got a shirt number start running start working start making sure these sub performances mean something if you're looking for a good example how about looking at Reese Nelson Look at his performances. Look at how he's grabbing the opportunity. Look at how he's rising up our thought processes and up the pecking order. And potentially got a four-year contract with a plus one on the end. Is he going to play every week? Don't know. But we have control of the asset. Rather than Brighton nicking for free. You know, so I like what we're doing here. But the onus is down. Tim's right in what he says up to a point. I think Arteta needs to expand the minutes of some of these players. But I also think it's down to the players to make it impossible for the manager not to pick him. You know, they've got to do it. You know, we haven't had massive rows on the podcast about said player needing X more minutes. We've they've been one or two. They always will be, right? Because we're fans. But nothing massive. You know, nothing massive. And I want these guys' form to be so good that we are having in-depth conversation about which players we're playing for a certain game because they fit that horse for that course. Do you know what I mean? And, and we haven't had a lot of that this year. And watching some of these players come off the bench, they've done fine. But we all know the reason why we're not where we want to be is the gap from that first crew to the crew in behind is still a little bit too big for me. And so coach some of that away, system some of mm. that away, motivate some of that away with competition and then see where we end up. Yeah, that that's really well said. I think we'll, we'll start to wrap up here, but Tim, just in terms of how you'll think about this overall, I mean, I loved the weekend. And by the way, like for the people that don't get to go to the Emirates, for the people that don't get to be there, there is something really special about 
hearing the songs in person and seeing the players in the flesh and looking at the way we play and where they stand and how they kick and the, you know, and how they run and how it's just, I can't explain it. Like it's just, it's just different the way it transmits. And it's, you know, when, when I've been there this season, I, and again, it's not like I've been there a ton. I've been there two, two home games and one away game, but you can really see the thoughtfulness about the way we play and the, the, you can see how coached we are is the best way I can put it. We've taken a huge stride. You know, the, the problem with progress is it tends to be judged on the results and sports are a results-based business, which is totally fair, but that can cause you to forget the progress. The distance we've traveled in two seasons is remarkable. And it's not just because, you know, oh, someone popped up as a 30-goal scorer and we got dragged into a good position. Like, we are a better team now in terms of talent, in terms of the way we're coached. Um, I will remember this season as a massively, massively enjoyable part of my life as an Arsenal supporter. I, I have said it on many podcasts before. You don't have to view it as success. You can view it as progress. But for me, I'm okay to call it a success because at the end of the day, if all you care about is winning a trophy or being champions – then your season is starts off as probably being a failure and ends as being a failure for everyone but one or two teams. And I think then you don't get to enjoy beating Spurs twice and beating United and beating Liverpool and pounding Chelsea twice. You don't get to enjoy the Reese Nelson winner. And you don't get to enjoy the Emmy Martinez, you know, own goal winner. And you don't get to enjoy the Enkedia winner because we didn't win the title. And that is a hollow way to live your life and support a football club. It's, again, it's not to say drop your standards, don't care about winning. That's not my point. My point is the amount of joy this season gave me is much, 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 much more than just about anything I've experienced for Arsenal in a decade. Mm. And so I, I'm comfortable calling it a success because I just don't think we can be football supporters and say the only team that gets to say their season is a success is the one that finishes on top of the table. But if that's how people want to see it and they see anything else as dropping their standards, fair enough. I, I just think that I, I cannot express any more uh, emphatically how much joy this season brought me for a long, long period of it. And I think the only downside, of course, is that the reason we didn't win the title is we had a clustered period towards the end of not being quite so good. Yeah. And you know how it is. You string two bad results together and, and football fans get pretty antsy. We strung four of them together, or so to speak. You know, and that that definitely took some of the shine off the good feeling at some points. But are you are you comfortable calling it a success? Will you look back on this season four, five, six seasons from now in that way? Yeah, I definitely will. It, it, it actually reminds me a bit of Arsene Wenger's first season, 96-97, where hmm. we'd been like quite uncertain for a few years and then Wenger came in and everything just felt lighter. The football got better and then you just got this sense, ah, oh, actually now I, f now I feel like we're getting somewhere. I feel like we're, we're evolving into challenges. But, you know, your point there about um, seasons, I mean, the two points to that. I think the happiest supporters in the league at the moment will be like Newcastle. Um, they didn't Everton. win anything. <laughs> well, uh, maybe on the final day, yeah. <laughs> Nottingham Forest. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was there <laughs> at the final whistle um, last weekend and they're pretty happy because 17th was kind of their aim coming into the season. They got it. Brighton, you know, Brighton have got European football. None, none of those teams won anything. Um, but, 
they kind of achieved and exceeded their targets and 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 that's very important and look at look just look at the last season we actually did win something the 2020 FA Cup like you know the the context for me was slightly different because my daughter was born the day after but you know something I remember for the rest of my life um you know as a as, as a one-off kind of day and and that's that's exactly what cup finals are and that's why they're they're so great and they can salvage seasons but that season was horrible <laughs> that actual season that it came in where we start so badly and Emery's sacked and Raul is uh packed off and you know Arteta comes in and then we get COVID and all the state like lousy lousy horrible season and mm. kicks off with Ozil just I will not remember that season fondly at all, but we we won the FA Cup at the end of it, right? But that season, the journey wasn't that fun. Whereas this season, you know, we haven't won anything, but the journey's been much, much more fun. Mm. Um, and and look, like I say, that will only sustain people for so long, um, yep. which is why I think the cups become important again next season. Because look, if if we finish second or third next season but we put the FA Cup or even the League Cup on the sideboard as well. Um, you know, watching the women's team this season, to your point earlier about how things can change, they finished one point off Chelsea last season. They finished 11 off this season because four of their players got ACLs. That 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 stuff can happen, but they put a trophy on the sideboard as well. And that makes you feel very, very different about finishing third. Um, when you when you you know you throw in a domestic cup, so um, you know there, there'll be like a different set of expectations. But the, but the journey this season, yeah, I think I will remember it a bit like Wenger's first season, where it's like ah, this is what it's like to enjoy this again, and this is what it's like to be fun. And look, that was ninety six, ninety seven. If next season turns out to be ninety seven, ninety eight, you won't hear any complaining from me. No, I don't think you will. Um, I think we can leave it there, Clive. I will give you. A final, final comment just on your excitement to have a couple of months to reflect. I mean, the funny thing is you get no time, right? The transfer window is the busiest season of of My favorite content time. and enthusiasm. It's, it's Clive's favorite time because you dream of a future and you get to find out what players are about. And we're all going to be in, in LA, in New York. It's going to be brilliant. But like, I do think it's nice to just take a breath and say, wow, this was quite the journey. Um I loved going on this journey. I really, really did. And the funny thing is it started in preseason. If you really think about it, because I looked back on my preseason predictions and we will cover those in another pod, but like, uh, I was like, wow, I predicted us to finish better than I would have expected and do more. And I realized because we did those predictions on the heels of preseason and you could already see it. You could already see things were snapping into place and changing. So it's been a really good journey. I think the trajectory will continue to point the same direction. How are you going to reflect on this as we... Turn, turn towards your favorite time of the season. Yeah, this is my favorite time. The transfer window and preseason. Funny enough, I love a, I love a preseason to see what the experiments are and see what shape people are in. So, so yeah, I, I do think we, maybe not for this part, but maybe for future pods over the summer, that discussion around what success looks like will, could come sharply into view if Manchester United change ownerships and. For example, have Qataris in there. We see what's happening with Newcastle and Man City. What is success going to be? You know, is it going to be, you know, look at the season West Ham have had. Did he sat their major? They're hanging with him. They're going to their first European final in 41 years. 
what a fantastic mm. season for that club in the end. If they win that final, they get Europa League. Now, you know, it's, it's football's not going to be what it used to be, I'm afraid. We're going to have to take what we take from the game. Brighton, first time in Europe, fantastic. Luton Town, the club closest where I live, coming up to the Premier League. I mean, this is like, football is just a broad, beautiful church, right? And I absolutely love it. And just want to open my mind up to the, the different ways to achieve what we want to achieve. And what I can say from an Arsenal perspective, we are right there with the right people doing a good job. And I just want to keep doing it, you know. And they seem to care as much as we do, which is, which is uh, again, an accusation that was, we've put to the club in, in recent years, right? So um, just want to keep going, Elliot. That's all I want to keep going. And um, take a little bit of a breath, as you say, but I'm on YouTube already, mate. So look out. <laughs> look out. I'm ready to go. He's ready. He's ready. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm ready as well. I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I hope some people will join us over on the Patreon side of things where we're going to be doing a lot of really cool stuff. And remember, that's the best place to get tickets to live events and have access to that and, you know, uh, see some of the, the transfer content we're going to be doing. But it, it, honestly, it's just as long as you're you're with us for these seasons, it's so special. I'm so appreciative that we got to share it with you, um, whatever portion of the season we did share together. And I'm so excited to share the the transfer summer nonsense and then and then the next journey we go on and that's the thing you know that th there's this expression in football we go again but it is really the beautiful thing in life you don't get to go again right you don't get to restart you don't get a fresh start in the fall in the in the late summer to start your life over again and reset um but football gives it to you that renewal that conclusion that finality and that renewal and we get to experience that together thank you to everyone who outstretched a hand or a couple of arms for a handshake and a hug. As I said, thanks to everybody who was with us along for this season. Thank you to everybody who will continue to be with us uh, in the future and, and for putting up with us and, and laughing with us and shrugging your shoulders at, at, at Paul's jokes, or even for those of you who laugh at them as well, you know, that's, that's hugely appreciated by him. I know, sorry, he couldn't be on this pod, but it'll be beyond one in the future. And to Scott, who a lot of people got to meet at the weekend and just, uh, to Andrew and James, obviously, thanks for their friendship and, and the collaboration and to Clive, who's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, bud. Thank you very much. And Tim, who's on Twitter at Stominator. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, my pleasure as always. And thank you to everyone, both fellow panelists and listeners, because if I've enjoyed this season even more, it's, uh, it's because of all of you guys and getting to relive all of this. So, yeah, thanks to everyone. Well said. Can't say it any better than that. So all I will say is, as I always do this time of year, we love you. We will talk to you after Arsenal 10. Transfer window now. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.